My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. Hello, everyone out there, and welcome to The Art of Attraction with Dominique Drew. We have a fantastic show for you today. We're going to talk about how it is that we keep ourselves from attracting not just the relationship we want, but anything that we want through the stories that we tell ourselves. And uh, we've, we've done the topic of stories before. Um, but as my uh, dedicated listeners will know, sometimes we just flow with things and change <laughs> change plans uh, mid-streak. And so uh, we did that and we ended up not going uh, quite as far into this topic as we wanted to. So we figured we would uh, come back with a part two. So if you're new to our show, my name is Domini Drew. I am a, a men's relationship coach. Specifically, I help single men attract life partners through personal and relationship coaching. And I'm very passionate about this work, and I absolutely love it so much. Uh, and what I'm really doing is, you know, not just um, teaching tips and tricks or talking about, you know, um, what to say when you talk to a woman or how to bring a woman home from a bar, but really the, the deeper elements of how are you holding yourself back from what you want, Right. So I work in the area, I work with single men, I work around relationships, but really uh, it's, it's going to be a lot deeper than that. You know, this work could be applied to anything because it's about self-sabotage ultimately. You know, ultimately that is um, the way that we end up holding ourselves back is there's something going on in our system, it's, it, it hits some belief, um, uh, or, or we start telling ourselves these stories which are, which are created from you know, from, from very old experiences, from experiences that we really misunderstood when we were children. Um, but they lodge in our subconscious and they affect us absolutely every fucking day of our lives. Like there's no break from this. You know, there's no time when you, when you, uh, don't, um, you know, when you, when you're, when you're free of your beliefs or something like that, you can be in your authentic, you know, they may not affect you in a moment, but, but really these, these are working underneath a system, uh, all the time. So, um, so I, I work with single men um, in particular and really help them find and challenging the limiting beliefs that they've gained throughout their lifetime around women and relationships. And uh, the way I do that, and you can find out more about me on my website if you like, which is uh, dominiedrew.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-E-Y-D-R-E-W.com. And um, particularly more about how exactly I work, which is at dominiedrew.com forward slash hello. Uh, or you can find me on Facebook and, and you know, my Facebook business page, which is Dominie Drew Coaching. 
And in those places, I really offer, you know, I do offer some tips. I do offer some little, um, you know, hints and and here's how to, here's what to look out for. And I'm, you know, the the purpose of me running this business is really to to help guide people um, through their own their own psyche in a way, um, to kind of reintroduce yourself, uh, introduce you to yourself in a new way. You know, um, I have clients that I'm working with right now that you know one of the most significant things and one of the most um, one of the biggest reasons they hired me was because they didn't even really know what questions to ask. You know, it's, you, you, you live your life and you're just not meeting the right woman and it looks like it's not your fault, right? Um, and it's not that it is your fault, but there is an element of self-responsibility because you're co-creating that experience. So if throughout your entire life, you know, you've had a hard time, you know, you've experienced a lot of rejection with women, then think about it. You know, what's the common denominator of all of those past relationships, of all of your past relationships, you know, it's going to be you. You're, you're the one thing that ties them all together. And that's, that's where that self-responsibility comes from. You know, it's not your fault that women are rejecting you. However, there is something in you that's leading you to recreate that experience over and over and over again. And that's the part that you can fix, you know? And uh, that's not just a part really that you're fixing because when you fix that part, you know, you change your entire life experience and then the whole, the whole problem is solved. Does that make sense? So today we're going to dive into this uh, in the form of checking out our stories and seeing how these stories start and most importantly, where they lead and how it is that they affect you every day. So I am joined today um, by Caitlin Wright. Caitlin, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me again. Mm, My pleasure. So um, Caitlin comes along to uh, keep me on track because otherwise mm-hmm. I will start talking about elephants and the circus and, um, you know, dancing and, and flowers and whatever else that sort of uh, takes my fancy. Um, <laughs> so I love teaching this work. There's a lot of flow in this for me. And sometimes it can be helpful to, <laughs> to have somebody help me out with this topic. Uh, Caitlin actually uh, found me, we'd been friends for a little, for a, a little while, maybe a few months. But when she started doing this work with me, uh, she experienced a really profound change in her life. And, uh, and so I was hoping that we could um, dive into that a little bit today if you're, if you're open to that. Oh, my God, of course. Yes. Awesome. Oh, I, I love talking about, I love talking about the things that have changed because it's, um, it's made, it's, it's just, anyway, we'll talk about that later. It's, it's just been fantastic. Uh, it's, it's helped my relationship. It's helped my relationship with my parents, um, with myself. I look at, I, I, I have a whole different perspective on, on, on the world really and, and how I interact with people. And it's, um, it, it's just been, it's just been such a, an incredible change. Um, such a short period of time. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. And I can't, I can't thank Dominique enough and uh, thank her for keeping, keeping me in, in the loop and, uh, and helping me out with so much and continuing to keep me in her life. It's, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's my pleasure. I, um, I love hearing that because sometimes, you know, I, I talk about how amazing this work is and to me, it's like, quote, you know, it's like an objective thing because I've done this, this process for about 15 years. And, um, the reason I've, I, I don't think I've done anything for 15 years except ride yeah. horses, which I did for, for 25, but I started when I was five. So a lot of that was kind of, you know, you kind of go along with the, with the, uh, with the plan on that one. Um, but this work, I, I, I discovered it when I was 19 years old. Okay. I'm currently 34. 
And um, at 19, I, you know, I had this kind of an emotional break, you know, teenage years were, were not so easy. Um, and it led me to this process and it just worked so fucking well. It was like solving problems that I didn't even know could be solved that I think a lot of the world does not know can be solved. So I love like hearing you say that and being like, oh, it's just not just me. See, like, <laughs> oh, good. Other people love this too. And, um, and as, as, you know, Caitlin and I have discussed before, like when I started this process, I, I mean, I wanted to teach this from my very first workshop. It was in, um, it was, yeah, I guess exactly 15 years ago, a little over. Um, and I, I went to one powerful workshop. It changed my life forever. And I was like, yep, I'm going to do this for, for forever. Um, and I just kept, I just kept going at it because the, everything I threw at it, you know, what, well, what about this? You know, how do you push people away without, I remember my mother actually did, um, a, a lot of this work with me, not alongside, but, but through, um, through different channels. And so we've, we've really been able to connect with this a lot, which has been really special. And she mentioned, she, I remember her saying at one point, she said, wouldn't you like to know that thing you do that pushes people away, right? Like, wouldn't you like to know, you know, you know that sometimes you go to parties and you, I don't know, get overly exuberant and people, you know, it, it's a turnoff and people tend to go away. It's like, wouldn't, and then you sort of go, oh, I wonder, I wonder why that happened. Like, why don't people like me? Or why can't I be successful? Or why can't I find a relationship? Or why do, why do people keep leaving me? And these things that I was talking about earlier that just look like they just happen in life. Wouldn't you like to know? And in some people genuinely would not, and they are not drawn to working with me. <laughs> they, they, they do not find this appealing at all. And that's fair. That's totally fair. There's no, you know, it's not better to do this than not. But wouldn't you like to know that thing that you do that keeps you unhappy? Um. And if you had a way to find that thing and fix it, wouldn't you fucking do that? Right? I mean, <laughs> dig in here, girl. Fix it. Yes, I am yes. done with this shit. Oh, my that God. Was, that was the I most. I said that to you. So many. <laughs> and from, like, moment one where I said, I said, you know, I think it was, uh, we were together at some point. I said, I said, you know, are, are you in your body? And <laughs> She, she looked at me like I'd slapped her in the face. She was like, my what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean my body? I'm here. I'm right now. What are you talking about? And then I let her down. <clears throat> if you watch my, uh, my Facebook Live with, uh, with Andrew Hanoon, which we did maybe a couple of months ago, um, I walked him through this actual exercise that we do, which I, I do with my clients. And, um, you know, where you're just really taking a deep breath and you're following the breath down and then you're just letting yourself notice, you know, how far down does it go if you don't um, fuss with it, if you don't push it or you don't pull it? And, you know, does it fill the right side of your body as much as the left? And, you know, why does it stop right where it stops? You know, where else might it go? And, and just bringing your awareness to that and you take, you know, a minute or two to go through it. And what will happen is you start to slow down Okay, so we get very much up in our heads and we get very much out of our bodies, quote unquote. And what that, what all that means, you know, energetically, it means that you're, you're literally up above most people. They're, they're the energy field, um, which 
I am not a physicist, um, but the woman who taught my school was a NASA physicist. And um, she she said it was electromagnetic field, you know, same as, as surrounds any physical objects. Um, but, with, but with humans, there's sort of a lot more sort of going on in it. Um, but it does sort of, it surrounds you, you know, like an egg in, in you know, 360 degrees um, around and up and up and down, down into the ground. Um, and the average field is about uh, three feet, three feet around. Okay. And we don't talk a whole lot about energy on this show in general, but like, just so you know, um, you know, I trained in that uh, pretty intensively for four years. Um, and it's, uh, it, it just deepens the process even more. So um, where was I going with that, Caitlin? Um, out of your body when you're being out oh of thank your body. you yes so well, so you're literally out of your out of your uh, body a little bit right so your um your physical body of course is on the ground and it's buying groceries and is doing all these things but your field which is really kind of where your where your focus is where your intention mm-hmm. is tends to be up a little bit it'll literally be like you know uh, ungrounded right when you're feeling ungrounded and and you'll you'll hear these words right people use these words where they're trying to describe what's happening and often the words that they choose you know, quote unquote, coincidentally, or, or sort of as, as a cultural phenomenon is, um, will actually describe what the energy is interest, you know, actually doing. So when you learn to observe these things and to see the energy uh, or feel it, you know, people perceive it in different ways. Um, but when you learn to kind of play with that, it's, it's really interesting to watch, um, how they, you know, how people's words kind of resonate. So anyway, so, so when you do this exercise, right, of, breathing down into your body and shifting your focus down and inward, okay? As you do that, you start to come down. Your field literally starts to move downward toward the earth, okay? So when people say grounded, that means you are deeply connected to the, you know, to, to the ground. Your energy is, is deeply downward. Um, if you're ungrounded, it means you're kind of like up, you're flighty, you're, you tend to be kind of um, scatterbrained. People who are um, scatterbrained again. See, the energy is diffuse, right? It's it's ungrounded. It's um, the 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 field of the of the schizoid tends to be quite diffuse, um, and uh, and so you're you're so, oh I'm scatterbrained. It's like yeah, you're literally scattered. Like you're you're literally not um, focused and and condensed. Um, and so as you do this breathing exercise, what it does is it brings your energy down and it focuses it inward, and suddenly you're you're more present in your body. Okay, this is why yoga focuses here as well. So, and, and so what difference does it make, right? How is being in my body going to, you know, help me attract a partner? You'd be fucking surprised. It is. <laughs> Those two things seem, and I say this to my clients a lot. I'm like, thank you for trusting me, especially when they, when they first join, because they're like, okay, I'm ready to find a partner. You know, what, you know, it's not like they don't know what they're signing up for, but, but then I sort of go, okay, great. Like take some breaths. And they're like, excuse me. <laughs> what what are we what what game is this what are we doing <laughs> and I sort of go oh yeah and then you know and I was go thank you for trusting me this is I promise you the single most direct way to get what you want because when you're out of your body you are on autopilot oh. okay you are on default you are living a life by default as opposed to a life by design, okay? Whenever something is unconscious, it is out of your control. Literally, that's the definition, okay? If you're consciously aware of it, it's not unconscious. So if you've spent 50 years trying to attract a relationship or attracting shitty relationships and you don't know why, then that's the unconscious pattern. 
Okay. So the first thing to do is make the unconscious conscious so you can actually do something about it. Because otherwise it's, it's in default, right? You have no power. So that's why the first thing is a fucking breathing exercise. <laughs> Go with me. I've been doing this 15 years. I'm great at it. You know, dude, help me. Dude, settle down. Sit down. Breathe. You know, it's like, do it, do it, do it this way. You know, because, and so it, it does, it seems really unrelated, but it's actually the single most relevant thing is, are you even here to change your pattern? You know? Mm. And it's not just, I know I, I've taken yoga classes where they, where they feel your breath. Okay. I'm, I feel my breath. I breathe all the time. I'm feeling it. Yeah, no. <laughs> And it's not just, it's not just feeling your breath. Like I remember, I remember doing this exercise for the first time with you and I'd breathe in and you'd ask me where my breath stopped. And I was like, right here in my chest, right. Um, very, very, maybe an inch underneath of my neck. Right. That's it. That's where it went down by default. Mm -hmm. And, and I just did this now. And by default, I can breathe into my belly button. (laughs) And I don't know, it doesn't sound like a lot for maybe some of the listeners out there, but I didn't even know that you could breathe that at all, like that deep. Like I didn't even know that you're, you could feel stuff in there. I just sounds, I sound so silly. I did not know you could feel your body. I did not feel my body ever. I didn't know what the bottoms of my feet felt like. I didn't know what except when I was in pain, that is the only time I've ever felt my body. Um, and I think that's why, uh, going, going off here, I think that's why I, I liked, um, weightlifting so much because I actually felt my body and I was focused on something. Um, but yeah, I, I had never felt the, my feet. I've never focused on them. Why? They don't matter. (laughs) I'm here. I'm doing something. I'm grocery shopping. I'm whatever. I'm totally focused out of my body everywhere else, but here. And um, I just, what a eye-opening experience that was um, doing it, especially for the first time. And uh, I can breathe, I can breathe all the way down here now. That's actually really impressive. (laughs) I don't think she, I don't think you'd share that with me before. That's, that's, that's pretty deep for a default. That's pretty great. And it's just a, it's just a pattern. I mean, it's just a a skill, just a habit. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. you learn new skills. Anything like, oh, learn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And by the way, so is energy healing. Okay. I feel as though, and you know, speaking of segues or, or from <laughs> distracting uh, uh, topics, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, it's a lot of bullshit and misinformation around the world of energy. Okay. And I want to speak intentionally here. A lot of the people who, who practice in that world have not had a lot of training, okay? Now, you can have a natural gift, okay? So if you go to a, a Reiki healer, right? Um, you know, you could just get someone who's just naturally very gifted and you may have a, a great experience and that's wonderful, okay? Um, to train, however, to be a Reiki healer takes a weekend. Just so you're aware, to be a Reiki master, it takes four weekends. Okay. Now, this is someone who is channeling energy, which is absolutely a thing, by the way. That's that's very real. Um, they're channeling energy into you <laughs> on a level that you, by definition, do not understand and are not aware of and cannot feel. 
and they've trained for four weekends. So I don't know if you've ever had like surgery done before, but that's on a physical level that I do understand a lot better. Uh, not that I know how to do surgery because I do not, but you know, the, the, the physical body, I understand a lot more. And I, you know, they, they train for like, I don't know, fucking 13 years or something of like highly intensive specialized training. And that's on the physical level. Okay. When you do an energy healing, you're, you're literally holding a person's soul. You are holding their, their, the deepest level of their being, uh, in your, in your, in your hand and your awareness. So, you know, so, so be aware, you know, that, that it is, it is a skill that is learned. I also hear a lot of people saying, um, uh, you know, it, it's a gift or either born with it or you're not. That is absolute utter bullshit. Um, and we, we should probably make this its own episode actually. So I won't go too far mm-hmm. into it, but, um, but, you know, know that that is not accurate. Okay. The energy healing is, uh, um, First of all, what energy healing is, by the way, is just the manipulation of energy. So you learn how to perceive it, whether that's kinesthetically, uh, visually, um, or orally, right? You can hear, uh, you know, taste, scent, you, you kind of, um, or, or kind of a direct knowing. So there are a lot of ways to, to perceive what's happening. And you, you know, you, you manipulate it, right? Oh, I see a block here. Okay, I'm going to remove that if that's ready to go. I'm going to take the block out. And I'm using the word manipulate as in just to, to, to do something with it, right? Not with the negative intent, of course. So, so that's all energy, energy healing is. Um, and it is an absolutely a skill. Now, some people will, it will, be, it will come more easily to some than others, right? My mother and I both learned this. It, it was very, very difficult for her to learn and incredibly easy for me to learn. Why? I don't know. Just different. We're just different people. You know, we have different skill sets. She does other things very easily that I struggle with. So it's just a personality, you know, thing. But it is a skill that you can learn. It's not, I won't say it's not magic because it kind of is. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not, uh, it's not some, you know, mystery that's like, that's out of your reach. You know, it's just a different skill. So you can learn that skill. So, um, so we'll sort of blend these two together. So your, your story, okay. will show up in your energy field in your electromagnetic field as, <sighs> as as tendencies okay as habits for example if you always feel into your breath okay and you always notice hmm, my breath goes a lot more easily on the left side than it does on the right you know that's like your default thing that's good to know okay that's a little like a data point right that's interesting i noticed that don't interpret it don't decide you know what it means because you don't you might have an inclination and that's interesting as well maybe it means this let yourself be curious about that makes sense but it's in, in that sort of way it's it's a the scientific method okay so you look at, at what is, okay, you look at the evidence, you, you get data points, and then when you have enough, then you can start to draw conclusions. But you don't go, oh my gosh, you know, this thing, um, okay, gravity, for example, all right? So you drop, you know, the apple falls off the tree, and then, you know, it goes down, you're like, oh, okay, gravity goes down. All right, great. So now we know that, we've already decided that. Well, that's not actually true, is it? Right? Gravity doesn't go down. Gravity pulls toward the center of the earth. Now, we're very small and the earth is very large, so it looks like it's going down, but what's actually accurate is it's, it's getting pulled, everything's getting pulled toward the center, right? So things like that. So you don't go, oh, it's my, my breath is going on the left side and not the right side, and the left is more feminine, you know, uh, 
tends to be associated more with the feminine and the, ma- and the right is more with the masculine. So I must have, you know, a great relationship with women and I have a lot of problems with men. Maybe. That could be true. Right? Ooh. Or it could not be true. You know, but so you go, hmm, that's interesting. And then I sort of play, put these things together. Hmm, left side. Left side does tend to be associated with the feminine. Um, uh, you know, right side does tend to be associated with masculine. Okay, so that's, that's interesting. That might, that might lead to that. So, so it's just so you can see how it's the same work, but on a different level. So if there's a block somewhere, you go, that's interesting. There's a block around your heart. Well, when did that get show up there? Oh, I noticed it when I started talking about my mother. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. You know, what is it about, you know, that thing? What does it have to say? You know, and then we start to dig in. So, so you can sort of see um, how the energetic is, can r- relate directly to the, the psychological or the, or the psycho-spiritual. Is that coming off as clearly as it is in my head, Caitlin? I think so. It's a, you know, <laughs> obviously not having as much education as you. It's all, you know, still new for me. But yes, um, I think so. I really liked when you, um, when you said you don't interpret, see what is as it is mm-hmm. and wait until you have enough data points to draw your conclusion or theory. Um, because I think it's really important people, people interpret everything all the time. And it's always an interpretation. It's never, not never. It is usually not what is actually happening. Now, what is your interpretation colored by? Your past experiences? Mm-hmm. Is this a test? Yep. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Or your story. Mm-hmm. Your story. Which, by the way, is your past experiences or what you tell yourself about them. So, mm-hmm. so the reason why that the interpretation of the data needs, needs to be done that, that way is because you're not seeing objective reality, which of course then takes us into, into quantum theory a little bit, but I, I digress. Um, so, so, you know, you're, you are affecting what you see. You see things differently. Caitlin and I can look at the exact same, you know, piece of art and see completely different things. Art's kind of a simple example. Uh, we can both look at uh, a horse and see totally different things. Um, Caitlin, I assume that you do not have um, wild amounts of equine experience that you have not shared with me. Oh my gosh. Well, one time <laughs> I, um, I was riding a horse and I got hit with a branch. And that, was, that was about my riding experience. That's about it. I never rode again. Um, I was about four. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh! Not a horse. I was riding a pony. I'm sure it felt like I a horse. Paying attention, <laughs> felt like it was a giant horse. And I and I yeah, I got hit with a branch because I wasn't paying attention. So no, to answer your question, no, I don't have a lot of equestrian experience. <laughs> so not. I, I just. I'm and forgive me, but it's just too perfect not to say not paying attention. Probably because she's out of her body because that's her yeah. default state. <laughs> so, so again, everything kind of she kind of ties yep. together. <laughs> So I can sympathize because I've been hit by a lot of branches uh, and a lot of horses over the 25 years that I I chose to continue being hit by branches. Um, (laughs) And so I I can sympathize with that. So if we so if Caitlin and I looked at a horse, she's going to be like, look, it's brown. And I'm going to be like, wow, that 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 animal has really long pasterns. It probably wouldn't be great for, you know, for for jumping, but it's probably going to be good for dressage. Because it's going to make Pretty for a smoother, funny. smoother, smoother trot, but you're more <laughs> susceptible to a suspensory injury if you're jumping over four and a half feet. Useful 
maybe not. Pretty, but it's pretty pony. Pretty pony, right. Yeah. So so we're looking at two totally different things, okay? And, you know, I'm sort of blending into the world of expertise there, which, of course, is, you know, is a, a little bit different. But, <clears throat> but, but you may f- you look at a horse and feel fear because you're thinking of the fucking branch that almost Ooh. knocked you off the pony. And I'm looking at it as, oh, okay, you know, would that be, you know, oh, that, that horse's, you know, uh, withers are a little bit lower than you know, then is haunches because he's young. And so how's that going to even up into your, you know, whatever. So it's like, so we're, we're seeing two totally different things and that that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. The problem comes when you think you're seeing the same thing and you expect them to see the same thing. So she looks at a horse, she sees fear. I look at a horse, I see opportunity um, or, you know, sadness from my failed writing career or, you know, fear for a different, you know, or whatever my, my particular story is, but we carry this shit everywhere. Okay. Um, so let's bring this a little bit more um, back to relationships. We're going all over the place. <laughs> we, we promised we would stay focused today. Um, we didn't, we don't even really try. Um, so, so let's go back to relationships. So people go out on dates and they're looking at each other and they're seeing two totally different things. Right. Mm-hmm. So she's, I don't know, thinking, oh, I wonder if this guy's husband material. And he's thinking, you know, I, I hope she's not crazy. Hmm. Right. Or she's like, God, I hope this is, he's, this guy's not like my ex. And he's thinking, God, I hope this chick's not like my ex. <laughs> I don't know. But, but so, so there's, so the story, the story just keeps coming up and it gets in the way. Um, so with, so with attraction, okay? So you see a woman across the room and you find her wildly attractive, okay? And you feel that initial desire of like, <gasps> right? Because attraction is extremely authentic, right? That's why I work in this area. So it's extremely, it's extremely authentic and, um, and it really can't be faked. And the value in that is that it tells you exactly, you know, you have an accurate data point. So if you go up, so you see that woman, you're like, that, that attracts me. So if you're repeatedly attracted to women who treat you badly, then that's a data point. Huh, that's interesting. You look back at your life, what's the common denominator? I am, I seem to attract women who don't treat me well. And yet that authentic, that attraction is authentic. So something true in you draws you to women who don't treat you well, right? So, so you see that woman, you know, and you feel the attraction. And then let's say you, you shut it down. You're like, no, there's no way. She's probably already got a boyfriend. If I find her attractive, everyone's going to find her attractive. She's busy. She's probably taken. Um, she won't like me. And then you decide not to approach and you go home. Oh. So that's like the classic example of your story getting in the way, right? Because the fact of the matter is, you know nothing about that woman except she's sitting there in the chair. That is the only thing that you know objectively about that woman. She's wearing a green shirt. She's wearing green pants. You don't know if that's how she normally dresses. You don't know if she chose that green shirt. Maybe somebody dressed her. Maybe she's dressed for a role. She's on her way to a commercial. I mean, it's like, you know, you have no... And yet we project, we find our story, we project, and we decide. Mm. And that's how we create our own reality. It's like deciding that you know something, you, but you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I just had an experience um, with, with a friend of mine 
who uh, earlier in the day, I, um, I had, my back was hurting and was, I was in pain and, um, oh, I stretched out and it just, it just wasn't getting any better. Um, the next day she didn't ask me to go do something with her, to go out with her because she thought I was in pain from the day before. And so she, she didn't ask me to go out. She assumed that she knew I was still in pain mm. and didn't even, not, 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 I'm not faulting her for it. She, she, she thought she was um, helping by, no, she, she doesn't even want to come. She's in pain. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about it. I'm not even gonna, um, I'm not even gonna tell her that. Cause then if she is in pain and she feels bad, then she'll feel obligated to come. This whole story she came up with in her head and I would have loved to go. I was fine. Mm. Um, but the, I, this whole experience happened and I, I had to sit down and, and talk to her. I said, but I, I wanted to go. I would have been fine. <laughs> but you kind of took that power away from me and assumed that, that I wouldn't want to come because the day before you knew something or you perceived something. Yep. And um, that happens all the time. Happens the, all the time. Talk about the ladies in my head. Mm-hmm. That's what they do. Mm, can you, talk, can you talk about the Can you reintroduce the ladies? Oh, the ladies. Oh, man. There's a lot of ladies. There's a couple gentlemen, I think. Um, but, but actually, they've gotten a lot quieter. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you so much. Um, you just the, the constant um, uh, self-talk in your head, the, the narration, the commentary, the, the, um, the unnecessary words, um, the words that come into your head immediately first reaction, usually an elevated reaction for me. <laughs> um, so they, anyway, I, I call them the ladies, um, always going, always talking, always giving me some bullshit excuse for something or, or some story. And, and that's what I call the ladies. Uh, usually they, you know, like, like in that example, um, I would say that my friend's ladies were busy going off, having a whole conversation and I wasn't included in that, but mm-hmm. I was the subject. Mm-hmm. So I, I probably should have been included um, in the lady talk or in, in, the, in the story. Because right now she drew a whole conclusion based on what she knew that was inaccurate. Um, yeah. And that's even more recent, really, because that's, oh, she's you know, sort of ass- assuming something based on information 24 hours earlier. The story can even really go a lot deeper. So again, that oh, example yeah. of, of um, you know, someone deciding that she's not going to be interested. It's like, oh, well, women are never interested in me. Mm-hmm. Or why would they want me? Or, you know, um, I haven't been in a relationship for a really long time. So I, um, so now I, you know, I have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. Right. There's, there's no, I mean, that's, that's one I, I just came across today. Um, and someone said, you know, I have no, it, it's been 10 years. I haven't been in a relationship. I have nothing to offer. And <laughs> I literally, when I got, before I got off the phone with them, I was like, I just have to tell you that is not a thing. Okay. I don't, I don't usually, usually I just go straight with like, okay, like, let's talk about, you know, how you feel about it and your, you know, let's go to the past and, and what's here now. But I just had to say, like, just to be clear, like that is something you're telling yourself and you may continue to tell yourself that you do not need to stop. But like, just to be clear, that's not a thing. <clears throat> that's not reality. You know, you're just, you're deciding that. That's, and, and people do, they go, oh, I've asked my friends and, and they say, I just need to get out there more. And it's, you know, it's just a numbers game. And 
I know I've been single for for 12 years, but I really think that, you know, if I just, if I, I just get out there more. And this is by the time they're on the phone with me, right? I'm not stopping people in the street asking them this. So if you're on the phone with me and you've been single for 12 years, what makes you think this is a numbers game? And what makes you think that you have the strategy to, to solve that numbers game? You know, oh. and they go, oh, my friends say, people, stop talking to your friends about your relationship problems. <laughs> they don't know how to fix them just because they're in happy relationships or often they're not. Um, they, they don't, it's not a numbers game. It's not, that's not what this is. You've got a whole story happening in your head and you are creating the odds and they are not in your favor or you wouldn't have been on the phone with me, right? So if it's been going on for years, and you haven't fixed it so far, and you're an intelligent human being, you would have fixed it if you could have, you know, then, you know, you're, you're, you're going down the wrong rabbit hole, you know? I, I love that. You, you mentioned that a lot. You would have, if, if you knew what was wrong, you probably would have fixed it. You would have fixed it by now. Why wouldn't yeah. you? It's a problem. You just told me it was a problem for half an hour. So, you know, what, what makes you think that you can that you sort of, you know, have the solution. And it's understandable because, again, we're sort of in the middle of an ocean, you know, floundering around, trying to, it's like trying to get a foothold and you don't even know what questions to ask. You know, you just think this is how life is. This is how relationships are. This is, you know, I I guess this is it. You know, like you said, Caitlin, uh, I guess this is is life, life with anxiety. How many years was it before we worked together? I I remember the last time I felt excitement and not anxiety. I was in elementary school. I was driving home from school and I remember telling my mom, I'm excited. And that was the last time I felt excited without anxiety, which was a very short period of time that I I almost felt both and then it just turned into anxiety. I wasn't I couldn't be excited about anything. I I was just and, and I know you talk about how they're almost the same feeling and it's our perception um, that decides whether it's excitement or anxiety. But, oh man, uh, probably 20 years. 20 years. I'm not that old, guys. This is, <laughs> this is, this is middle school. I was horrified in middle school. I was absolutely, I, my anxiety level, and I'm 11 at this point you know, sixth grade, I didn't want to go to school. I would do anything. I would pretend to be sick, anything to not feel that anxiety, not have that as 11 years old. As a child, why aren't we taught this? Why aren't we taught? (laughs) It's such a shame. Yeah, but you have Domini now, so. (laughs) (laughs) You're in good shape. Don't worry, I got you. We, we, We got this. We got this. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. Um, 20 years, uh, you know, I think you said you'd saw, you'd seen therapist for like 13, oh God. Yeah, you know, just yeah. year after year. Several different therapists. And it's not, it, it definitely is nice to have someone to tell how you're feeling, but not a single one. They helped me with breathing exercise, actually. They, they'd give, okay, when you're feeling anxiety, here's a breathing exercise. Okay, cool. 
Well, I don't want to feel the anxiety though, guys. Like mm-hmm. that's, I don't want to, I don't want to feel that. But how do we actually make it go away? Yeah. Yes. Um, and now I can look at it and be like, okay, well, I, um, I'm feeling anxiety. All right. That's interesting. Why that is. So okay. even, so even right there, the experience has shifted. Right. So we talked before about the life by default and the life by design. Mm-hmm. So before she was, you know, you were a real, you were a victim of your emotions, right? So they're taking you over. You're, you know, people, and again, the, the words sort of uh, can, can give a lot of way, a lot of way. Language, language can be quite um, illuminating. And, uh, and one of the ways is, you know, they'll say, um, they'll say things like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm beside myself, right? When you're in your, you're literally, you're energetically, you're beside yourself. You're not able to really, um, to take in that moment. Um, but with the, with the thing with the, with the anxiety, um, the nervousness. So, so yes, the, there are similar, um, uh, as far as a similar feeling, right? Nervousness and excitement actually is kind of the same feeling, right? It's just whether or not you're okay with it or you're yeah. not, right? <laughs> um, and I just wanted to make a quick distinction there because, Anxiety as a condition, I would say, is not quite the same thing. Like, like the the flow through might be, but that, but then there's like kind of an addiction with it, mm-hmm. um, or yeah. there's a a, a a a keeping coming back to the anxiety, and so there's something more sort of chronic there. Um, but yes, as as a you know, in the moment, you're like, oh, I'm I'm really nervous for my show tomorrow. It's like maybe you're really excited. It's just an interesting reframe. It can it can kind of help you. Um, and just kind of help you, you know, reframe the moment. You know, can can mm-hmm. you be okay with this? You're 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 going. It's definitely a lot. There, you know, energy's moving quickly. Okay, can you can you be excited instead of you know being fearful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So this is this is it. You know, this is how we we get in our own way. This is how we're not able to attract what it is that we want right away. Okay. So we disconnect from the reality. You know, we, we, we don't even approach that woman in the coffee shop. We assume that she doesn't want us. We, we tell ourselves a story instead and you know, it can be a little bit of a cop out, right? It's safer to sit here and talk to myself than to actually go over there and risk, you know, and be that, that vulnerable place. Right. So these stories are created from our past experiences. And so, so the, so how do we get out of this? Right. What's your story? How do you how do you identify your story, right? So your story is what you hear in your head when you think about getting what you want, okay? So if you're interested in attracting the woman of your dreams, what do you hear in your head when you think about that? You know, you telling yourself that it's impossible and I'll never get someone like that. Um, she doesn't exist. Uh, I'm not good enough for her anyway. I'll never find her. Um, women like that won't want me. It's a numbers game. That's one. Ugh, well, it's just just chances. I guess I'll just stick with it. I mean, that's like victimhood at its finest, right? Mm-hmm. So, so find the exact words. So when you think about, you know, uh, you know, to use Kaylin's example, like, okay, what's, what's life going to be like? You know, what would life be like without anxiety? I, I doubt anybody ever even asked you that, but, um, no. but you know, what, what would that be like? And you, I mean, it wouldn't even occur. You'd be like, what? That's crazy. You know, which is basically saying it doesn't exist. You know, if you, if you, if you search down to the words and that will be, or I can't do it, or there'll be something that's sort of self-defeating under there. 
Mm-hmm. So, and again, you know, why is it so significant? Because in, in every moment we're creating our reality, right? We decide who we are. First of all, we're deciding who we are. <laughs> I am this person. I am unattractive. I am unworthy. I am, you know, uh, undesirable. I'm unlovable. And then we live by that. And, and then we, we really can't see how much that affects our reality. Um, mm-hmm. Until it becomes conscious, which is the first thing, you know, which is, and, and it's not, and by the way, you know, the, we're talking about going to, to, to therapy and they didn't ask the right questions. Don't avoid therapy. Everyone should be in therapy. Like do therapy. Yes. It's great. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's no, no, definitely, it, it definitely helps. Definitely better than nothing. Yes. By a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, there, there are deeper levels. You know, there's, there's more, there's more that you can do. Um, so we're talking all about all this, you know, stuff about stories and describing what it is. So how do you get, how do you get the fuck out of it? Right. How do you change your story? So I'm an incredible example. And now so is, is, is Caitlin and, and it's changing even more every day um, as to how you could change your story. You know, it used to be story was like, oh, you know, life is terrifying. I have anxiety attacks. I have ways of coping, but like that was it. And then, you know, when it started to become conscious, all of a sudden it was like, oh, maybe I can, you know, okay, well now it's a little bit of a different story. So now, as she said, I'm feeling anxiety. Oh, that's where I was going with the words before. Um, because we'll say things like, I am sad. I'm sad. No, you're not sad. You're a person experiencing sadness. It's a feeling. It's mm. not the same thing. And, and one is, is harder to tolerate than the other. You know? One is... Uh, harder to identify when you're a victim of, oh, I'm just, I'm just sad. I'm just sad all the time. I was sad all the time. I was depressed for years, you know? Um, and, and I was just, I was just sad all the time. And I, there was no outside of it. But when you even just do that small reframe, that small shift of, I feel sad. I feel really sad. I feel terrible. I feel angry. I feel rage. Great. Feel your feelings. Their feelings, not who you are. And that's a very important distinction. So the story creates our reality. Okay. We, you know, I am this person, I am, you know, perfect in every way. That's going to lead to some arrogance, right? I am, um, I am utterly unworthy of, of love. That's going to create, you know, the self-defeating, um, you know, lack of confidence. So how do we change our story? So, so the first thing again, is just, is to make it conscious. You know, uh, up until, you know, Caitlin's able to say, oh, I feel anxiety. It was, she was a victim of it. And how could you not be? And being a victim, I, by the way, I don't mean any judgment by that. Yeah, I was a victim for a very, very, very long time, which is why it might come off with a little bit of charge for me because, you know, I've been there to spend so many years just trapped in that place. <sighs> it's miserable for me. It's my version of the, of Caitlin's anxiety. Um, so, so look directly at the story itself. Okay. If it's unconscious and it's operating under the surface, then it's out of our control. We can't change it or influence, right? So, so look at it specifically. What is your story? Who are you according to yourself? You know, who are you in your own head? Identify it, clarify it, you know, make it specific, draw it out. Um, one of the things we do in, in my program is we do something called mind mapping, where you write down I am or your name or whatever in the middle of a page and you put a circle around it. And then you draw lines out going outward like a, like a kid's sunshine drawing, right? From the, from the circle in the center. And you just write whatever comes to you, okay? Take a breath, take a few minutes, notice what your breath, you know, notice where your breath, 
goes, where it doesn't, let yourself deepen in and, and come into your body a little bit, and then just write what comes. Okay, this is the free association, right? It's a Jungian, Jungian theory. It's absolutely brilliant because it gives you access to the subconscious and the, the healing process, the change happens when you link those two worlds. Otherwise, you're just working with the same, the same system. And if you read a self-help book, it would fix all your problems. Mm. The reason why it How many doesn't. books have I read? Exactly, mm. right? That was another friend <laughs> somebody I spoke to today. So they said, I've read every book. I've read, I've read all the books. And I was like, great, has that worked? I was like, no, because it's not a lack of knowledge. And for sometimes it is. And knowledge is great. And by all means, you know, read books. Um, actually, like literally read books. Like when did it become okay for people to say, oh, I don't read books. And now that's like a cool thing. Like I have people who like I respect at my core, <laughs> my friends who have said that to mm-hmm. me. And I've been like, excuse me, who, what? When did that like, <sighs> sorry, pet peeve. Read more. Reading is great. Read more. <laughs> read more. <laughs> Don't, we're like, I do not mean Actual to dis, dis therapy yeah. and reading. Therapy and reading are both fantastic things and everybody needs to do more of them. <laughs> um, not magazines, actual books. Yes, not ones with pictures or emojis. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I know. Um, so, so, you know, and it does. It, it enriches you. It helps you experience yourself. I mean, this is all coming back to the same thing. So, so make it specific, right? Draw out your story as much as you can. And then I want you to ask yourself, okay? And, oh, and, 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 and even before that, I had this incredible teacher one time who said something about this that I've always remembered. She said, there are three yous, okay? There's the you people think you are. There's the you you think you are. And there's the you that you really are. There's a lot of focus in the personal development world on making a distinction between the first two, okay? I'm just realizing that now, actually. Um, Everybody focuses on, you know, you be you and don't worry about what people think about you. And that's great. That's actually really good. Um, You know, yes, living, living from your core and living without fear, you know, those are all very important. They're everywhere though, right? People say that all the time. You watch like the I don't know, like the award shows for the movies and stuff like that. And they'll get there and be like, just be yourself. And, you know, and that's absolutely true because when you're authentic, then you're the most effective. You're the most, um, you know, you live life with the most ease. That's, that's the way to be, right? This is creating a distinction between who you think you are and who you really are. Okay, it's going the next level deeper. So your story is who you think you are. It's who you've always told yourself you are. Oh, you're, you're daddy's little girl, right? You're, you're mama's little boy, mama's little man. You know, you're, um, you're an engineer, okay? You're a, uh, you're a scientist, you're an artist, you're an educator, you're a, uh, a skater. You know, whatever it is that is who you are, this is who I am. Well, actually, those are things that you do, if you think about it. So who are you to yourself? Who are you in your own head? Then ask yourself, who would you be without your story? Who would you be if you weren't a skater? Or you weren't an engineer? Who would you be if you weren't the daughter of your parents? Or the father of your children? Who would you be if you weren't small? 
If you weren't worthless, if you weren't uncertain or not good enough or inferior to those around you, who would you be if you weren't single? If you weren't a failure, what if you were just you and everything about you was okay? Considering this possibility is truly one of the most powerful things that you can do, okay? Even just that act, just considering the possibility. My, my teacher in school, uh, the NASA physicist I mentioned, she used to say, consider the possibility. And that was like her line. And we we're always sort of like, ah, oh, it's so funny, consider the possibility. Truly, that is one of the most powerful things that you can do because just in considering the possibility, what if you could have the exact relationship you want? What if that were possible? It's just an imagination game. Can't hurt to just let yourself, you know, imagine that. Even just that small act starts to create new pathways in your brain. You start to run your energy in a new way. Well, I don't know, because you, you feel differently, right? When you go, oh, you know, what if you could have everything you want in life? It's like, oh, my... My energy changed a little bit there. That's interesting. So it, it seems simple, but it, it's truly the first step to changing who you are. So do this exercise. You know, let yourself stay with this for, for some serious amount of time. Really consider. Let it integrate. And then when you're ready, take the next step. If you weren't all of the things that you just identified that you think you are, who might you be? If you didn't have your story, because that's really what this is, without the story you carry in your head that's deciding every day who you are, who would you be? You know, and to help with this, like, what, what are all the positive qualities that you have? You have them. Find them. It's nonsense to think you don't. It's probably part of your story. What's great about you? What is amazing about you that's unique that no one else has? And then what would it be like if you lived from this place more? It's just as true as all the shitty things that you've decided about yourself, right? What if you made the choice? What if you just focused on these parts of yourself more and less on the parts where you felt like you were lacking? What if you shifted your focus from all the time being on parts of you that aren't great and focus instead all the time on what makes you really special and happy and excited? What if you switched it from anxiety to excitement? And you know, this you know, it's not about ignoring your faults, right? Or, or going into arrogance and being like, oh, it doesn't matter that I, you know, have these issues. But, but if focusing on your strength, you know, if this is You know, what, what we do is we lock ourselves in our heads of all the negative things that we're deciding are true. And, and those things might be true, but the other things are also true. Why don't you spend 50% of your time on those or 80 or 90? And you can go into your, into your faults or into the parts that you want to fix and make better. And then you go there and you work on them and then you come back to how wonderful you are. <laughs> Just imagine how different your life would be. So the ideal is to strike a balance between the two. That is where the most, the most, the fastest, the most powerful self-development happens.
seeking to improve yourself without punishing yourself for not being as great as you want yourself to be. Okay? Punishing, it that's just more story. Ugh, see, I'm a piece of shit. Let me just tell you all the ways. Stop it. Stop it. Forgive yourself in the moment. What good is that doing? It's not making, it's not making you better. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd punish yourself once and you'd never need to again because you'd be better, but you're not. It's not working. Stop it. It doesn't fix it. If it fixed it, I would tell you to do it. <laughs> if it fixed it, you wouldn't keep doing it. You would, it would fix it and you'd move on. So accept what is first, then make it better second, and then always seek to focus on the parts of yourself that you love. And just imagine the difference that might make to your life. Interesting, right? How just such small little refrains can create such an incredible shift. And the self-punishment I used to do profoundly. Oh, you think your ladies are bad. I only had one really or one or two, but cruel. You know, they're not cheerleaders in our heads. They're voices that we've embodied from the past that, you know, of, of telling us how terrible we are. It doesn't help. It doesn't fix it. Look at what's working. Come back to the data. Hmm. Well, I'm always telling myself how terrible I am. And it always feels terrible when I do. And I don't seem to be getting less terrible. <clears throat> okay. So that's the data. That's the evidence. That's, that's the actual evidence. Okay. So... That's not working. What if you tried something else? What have you got to lose? What you're doing isn't working. What, what else is there to do with your time? Then find the areas where you stop yourself, where you self-sabotage, where you hold yourself back and learning not to so that you can live your life and do whatever it is that you please utterly unrestricted and, and in a place of, you know, love and fulfillment and happiness. I exist in that space every day now. And I was not born like that. But I have found this way. And I have yet to find an issue that it cannot fix. I have yet to find someone... who does not find that it works. So look at what is. And that takes balls, by the way. You know, it takes bravery to, to look objectively at what's real. And to be honest with yourself, that brutal self-honesty, you know? But again, what else have you got to lose? What else are you going to do? 
Story is incredibly powerful and it's old. It's from your childhood. It's from stuff that happened, whether it was intended or not. Sometimes it is, sometimes it was intended, and sometimes it was not intended. But it's not real anymore. It's something that you're carrying around and you can keep carrying it if you want to. There's no agenda. It's not better for you not to carry it than for you to carry it as far as outside of yourself. There's no shoulds here. There's no way that you ought to be that you're not. You're on a journey. You're going through things. And if you're willing and interested, then there's a way. There's a way to move through these things. So that's bringing us back to our, the close of our show today. On that note, if you're interested in working through things, if there's anything in your life that you can improve that get better, where you're, where you're self-sabotaging, where you're holding yourself back, come find me. You know, I'm on Facebook. I have a very strange name. <laughs> My name is Domini. It's very unusual. You can find me very easily. Feel free to come by and ask questions. You know, Domini Drew Coaching, Consulting, and Speaking on Facebook. DominiDrew.com is my website. And if you're interested in working with me, the best place to go is DominiDrew.com slash hello. And that'll lead you to a video that talks about who I am and what I do. And then you're welcome to schedule a call and get on the phone with me and we can talk about whether or not I can help. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Caitlin, for contributing and keeping me focused. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me once again. My pleasure. Thank you guys very much for a great show. And we will be back next week. Looking forward to it. Take care, guys. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Domini Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.